Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome along to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive, and it's great to have you along for another discussion of how things are changing in our fantastic wide world of recruitment. Before I turn to today's guest uh, for a discussion around new forms of people coming together flexibly for work uh, enabled by technology, a couple of uh, things to draw your attention uh, to from REC Towers this week. First and foremost, do hold the date of the 30th of June for REC 2022, our fantastic online conference. Hundreds of you have joined the previous editions of this that we've held in 2020 and 2021. We're keeping it online this year. That's because we want to make it as accessible as possible and maximise the kind of help that you get from your REC uh, membership. Of course, attendance is free to REC members. Some great discussions on the recruitment workforce, holding on and detracting and developing your own staff, for looking at the client side on how client businesses are changing and how we can change to to keep up and to compete in in the markets that they are moving to now and how they're thinking about their workforce planning. And of course, lots of practical things there. So that's June the 30th for REC 2022. Other things just recently, well, uh, we if you uh, look out for the labour market tracker that came out on the 4th of March, that's the successor to our jobs recovery tracker, a fantastic survey looking at all the latest in terms of job adverts and job trends. So you can find that on the REC website and you can also find some of the support that we're putting in place for staff development through the REC academies. The Recruitment Mastery Academy just started last week uh, with Steve Guest. That's going really well. You can still sign up for a start in early April and the Management Academy is there too for you. That start next start is on about the 20th of April and you can sign up for all the best management support with some fantastic work with Simon Thorpe on that one. So two great academies to help you develop your own staff. The conference coming down the track on June the 30th to help you think about how your business might need to change in these changing times and all the latest data in the labour market tracker. Hopefully that's going to help you set your business up for success on the rest of 2022. With that in mind, let's turn to our guests for today for a discussion about how the market's changing in a different way enabled by technology. Well, now let's turn to our guest for today. and I'm delighted to welcome Barry Matthews from Assembly to the Pod. Barry, welcome to the REC podcast. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and about Open Assembly? Oh, well, thanks, Neil. So, yeah, I'm the chief exec of Open Assembly. I've been in the consulting industry just about got all of my all of my career, and I've run a variety of different consulting companies. And uh, latterly, or the last couple, were in the outsourcing space, so helping enterprises to make the right decisions when it comes to selecting the right third-party vendor, the right partner to support them in their digital technology needs or in their business process needs, and being that sort of independent middleman, if you like, in the middle between helping the enterprise make the right decision in terms of which supplier, and then also helping suppliers to um, set themselves up correctly to deliver services into the enterprise. And a couple of years ago, decided to to move from outsourcing into into out tasking, if you if you like, or or skill sourcing, 
and ultimately ended up joining the Open Assembly to act as a, a middleman for organisations looking to source the right talent and typically from, from digital platforms and marketplaces. So, so the Open Assembly was formed a couple of years ago together with Harvard University, the Laboratory for Innovation Science at Harvard, to act as that sort of independent eyes and ears of the market to help enterprises to make the right sourcing choices when sourcing talent from around the world to provide them with services digitally and and remotely so so that's what we do really we we help enterprises put in place the right talent strategies and source the right skills from talent marketplaces and digital platforms so this is really interesting to us as a, a as an organisation and to recruiters as a business, particularly temporary recruiters, because we're no strangers to the fact that people want to work flexibly. And and traditionally, of course, agencies have been the the nodal point for for that transaction of offer and and buy of, of specialist labour. It's certainly the case that across our market for the last 20, 30 years, we've seen a big move to freelance and to working via a nodal point digital platforms are another way to do that uh, what do you think is behind the growth of that as a part of the, uh, the market there's a lot of things i think generally as our you know just as consumers we've become so used to using digital for just about ev- everything and you know if you if you then as a consumer you're accessing everything you need digitally and then going into a workplace as a as a manager let's say and having to to hire in, a, in an analog process, it sort of feels it would feel very strange. So it's sort of natural to access talent digitally. And I also think inevitably the pandemic over the last two years has made a big a, a big difference. You know, not expecting workers to be in the office for the last however many months has made has made employers think, oh well, actually, if they don't need to be in the office, maybe I can I can work with with people that I don't actually physically need to meet not for everything but for for some tasks and therefore i may as well access them digitally and so you know i think there's been a huge discovery over the last 18 months to two years that marketplaces can play an incredibly important role and not just for you know what we might have thought of as gig economy sort of high volume low quality but actually for you know very very highly skilled talent in in roles or to carry out tasks that we might not have thought about previously. So I think there's a variety of different reasons, part of them being technology and our confidence with all things digital, but you know, it's certainly sort of turbocharged by by the way we've had to work over the last couple of years. I can absolutely see that. And I think REC members would start from the principle that working with the right agency and working with the right clients, you can build some really high quality work in a freelance agency way. And that actually what we're doing here with digital platforms is we're just you're finding new tools to do it more efficiently and more effectively as time goes forward. And to a certain extent that you know what our industry adopts of this technology is going to be critical to it, the future success of working in this way in the UK. And I think the same is true for our friends in other countries who we work closely with through the World Employment Confederation. One of the things Open Assembly is doing is is running the Centre for the Transformation of Work, which seems deeply bound up in all of this. Tell me about the work that's going on there. Yeah, so John Windsor, who's our founder and chairman, sort of 18 months ago, decided to set up the, the Centre for the Transformation of Work to advocate on behalf of of freelancers around the world. 
And so if you think about it, the open assembly, we have two businesses, basically. The open assembly is to is to help enterprises with adoption of what we call open talent. And then the center of the transformation work, CTW, is the other side, is to help the supply side, to help freelancers to actually to make it easier for them to find work using digital platforms or marketplaces and to work with the marketplaces to make sure that it's it's a fair process, that it's a valid and viable career choice for 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 freelancers. So we're trying to, we have this big, hairy, audacious goal to transform work for a billion people by 2025. And a lot of those people will inevitably be freelancers. And some of them full-time freelancers, we we hope. We're trying to encourage more and more professionals to to see freelancing digitally as a as a means, as a way of earning an income. But also, you know, with what we might call you know, side side hustlers, people on the side of their desk who already have a job and are, are earning money on the side using digital platforms that's you know equally as viable a way of earning an income these days so there's a whole different you know type of of worker that we haven't really thought about before and so we're, we're trying to look after them we want to make sure that that platforms and marketplaces treat them well that insurance companies are able to to give them health insurance and life insurance and pensions and and, and the like and to make it a sort of safe and and fair and viable place for freelancers to make a living. That puts me in memory of some work our Dutch Investor Federation, ABU, did on access to mortgages for agency workers. And that mm-hmm. same sense of just thinking about how not everyone works in the same way is a really important part of making sure that freelancing and agency working is seen as normal and empowering for people. It's a long-standing kind of REC campaign goal as you would expect treating people in the right way and yeah. making sure that their choice in how they work doesn't close off any opportunities for them that's one really clear challenge which people have to face working as a freelancer and particularly remotely from clients on thing on digital through digital platforms mm-hmm. what are the other challenges that the, the center is trying to address that are perhaps holding people from jumping with two feet into this river there's a number it's we're, we're, we're trying to help freelancers to to market themselves better to sort of stand out from a crowd you know recognizing that it is a crowd and there's a there's an awful lot of of, of competition so through the center of the transformation of work we'll be giving them sort of advice on gut and guidance on on how to market themselves we want to provide more transparency into the market so really complex market if you're a freelancer or if you're an enterprise client in that where do you go to market yourselves if you are a freelancer or to access skills if you're a client because there are you know depending on who you read anything between 300 and 800 different marketplaces and i was reading somewhere two two new ones spinning up every week so you know having some some standards and some some guidance on which platforms do what where's the best place to to make money if you're a graphic designer or if you're a data scientist if you're a marketer so to help them with sort of directory like digital directory type tools so that they know where to go and also working with the marketplaces themselves to to try and set standards for not not necessarily like pricing this you know it's going to cost this much for this but just naming conventions and you know, st- setting standards in terms of 
how much take the marketplace should should take or how much what a level might be that they shouldn't exceed for example to make it as fair as possible for um for freelancers and then the other thing we're trying to do is to is to help them to to network and create community we think community is incredibly important for freelancers it can be a really lonely place to be a solopreneur and so getting groups of them together to share information and network potentially even to work together is also something we're trying to do that's really interesting i think there's a, a kind of gray and fuzzy area there between kind of marketplaces where people are essentially advertising dealing direct with their company that's hiring them and a kind of traditional agency model and one of the the challenges i think for us on our side of the fence at the, at the rec is you know, a lot of this isn't new actually the platforms are increasingly digital rather than rather than physical but that traditionally if you look at the the regulation in the uk which is 1973 employment agencies act is really clear on what an agency is and and how it operates and some of what you just said i think gives a sense that there's a lot of moving parts here because some of the things that might develop develop digitally absolutely will end up just being digital agencies and some things will be much more like digital small ads and maintaining standards across what is quite a diverse range of potential options there is going to be really challenging and not just to regulatory bodies you know it's a live question as to you know for me as to which of these platforms actually rightly should be within the tent of the REC because they are agencies, but also for clients in terms of understanding what value looks like, what good looks like in this market. If you're thinking about the open assembly work, what are the sort of two or three big things you say to enterprises about how to work with freelancers well through this model? Yeah, I mean, firstly, you're absolutely right. It's it's incredibly complicated and fragmented there's you know there's there's platforms or marketplaces that have direct relationships where they'll they will broker a direct relationship with a freelancer there are there are others that provide managed services that you pay an outcome for there are others which are crowdsourcing platforms where you might put up a fee and and get a response back and there's a winner for the for whichever solution you choose and, and then there's gray areas in between those three categories so it, it, it is complicated and so when we with my open assembly has on when we go into enterprises to to help them we we say look there is so much benefit to be have for working in this way to working with a you know elastic sort of fluid workforce you know moving to variable cost models just accessing the talent you need when you need it on demand accessing new pools of, of of skills but it is complicated to do and there's a sort of minefield of things to make sure that you are you're taking care of and that's making sure that you're offering people work in a compliant way and you're not contravening any employment law in whatever country it is you might be getting the freelancer from that you know you've got you've thought about systems access and and security you think about ip protection you think about um, professional indemnity insurance there are are so many things to think about so we say this should be treated as a strategic initiative and one of the best things that an enterprise can do if they're really thinking of accessing talent through platforms at scale is to set up some form of of center of excellence somewhere some part of the organization and it might be within hr it might be within the talent team we've seen it within procurement 
that they set up a a center that thinks about all of these these things what's the process change that's going to be required you know how, how, what do we need to think about from a systems perspective how will we source this talent in the right way how do we then look after compliance and security and ip and all of the things that i've talked about and then how do we manage quality how do we make sure that um we're you know we're getting what we paid for and that we're that we're happy with the freelancer how do we make them make sure that they work with our t- our full-time team in the right way how do we decide what's we should retain our full-time team for what we should continue to use agencies and recruit for and what we should use these more sort of open talent models for. So all of those things need to be taken care of. And we recommend that they're taken care of through this center of excellence. So we help organizations to set up these COEs and we do like a build, operate, transfer model. So we build them for them and give them the best practice and the guides. And and we're writing a book with with Harvard University at at the moment. And as John Windsor, who I mentioned, is the executive in residence at Laboratory for Innovation Science at Harvard. So he's writing a book, which is always going to be like a an instruction manual for how to use open talent within the the enterprise and within that the um, definitions and the the role descriptions and everything you need for a center of excellence will be in that as well but we that's one of the best pieces of advice we can give is to set up your coe in in the right way and take this or treat this seriously like a strategic program so i'm going to sound slightly like a dinosaur and asking this question i'm going to end about it because dinosaurs dominated the worlds for longer than we humans have been around so they were pretty successful at something if you think about that coe model that center of excellence we are saying at the rec to clients which is about stop doing things transactionally and start workforce planning start making active decisions about how you want to supply different parts of your workforce via different routes and then do those things mindfully actively choose value over a price yeah engage your labor not as you buy paper clips but as you buy high quality advice or major bits of high-tech machinery that feels to me like a sense of staffing moving into a, a, a much more commercial and impactful place from where it's maybe been in the past driven by all sorts of things including skills and labor shortages globally but particularly in what traditionally we'd call the western economies but the problem seems very similar whether you're a traditional recruitment firm or whether you're a firm trying to work through some of these digital platforms so my question is really twofold one, what is the scope for this sort of technology and this sort of thinking to disrupt traditional recruitment in inverted commas? As a, because I'm not sure that you can bump the whole industry together like that. But equally, you know, what is the scope for the industry to adopt this whole scale? Because the behaviour pattern of the last twenty or thirty years, with each generation of digital development, is that the industry has reshaped to work with the technology either to own it or work with partners in it rather than being displaced by it and in fact what tends to happen is that technology displaces the previous generation of technology so you know there's a lot of skeptics in the industry about the future of jobs boards at the moment because they don't have the candidates that people are are looking for that's a rather long-winded question but (laughs) for, for which my apologies but that piece around how might this disrupt traditional recruitment and what can traditional recruiters do to play in this game i think is quite important certainly to rec members yeah absolutely no i think 
I certainly see this as as very disruptive. The and you know the type of adv- advice and consulting we're providing with enterprises is helping them to think differently about what should we retain and therefore continue to to build and and, and recruit versus what should we we purchase on demand you know which which skills are strategically important to us and will always be part of the fixed full-time workforce and which won't and that's changing a, a lot you know if we need if we're working as an organization in an agile way and we're prototyping and um and iterating on things or maybe i need a a team which is 20% full-time and 80% flexible, and I'll just buy in the skills I need via a platform to prototype something or try something. That maybe isn't the way they would have thought about things even even a couple of years ago, or things they might have outsourced through a managed service. And now thinking I'll outtask through a digital a digital platform, and it's going to be you know more productive and it's going to be less less expensive. So it's definitely disruptive. And as they get enterprises get comfortable working with digital platforms, it's inevitably going to change the way that they work with recruitment agencies and other staffing firms, and they will expect to work in a, in a digital way. One one of the the areas that we're seeing some significant growth in is the the use of these talent platforms for employees, so internal talent marketplaces. And which I think is a, a, a fantastic and really sort of progressive area of talent management. So using the same model, the same digital technology as a gig marketplace, but for your internal employees to to catalogue exactly what skills they've got and what aspirations they have for their careers of the future, and encourage them to be able to move within the walls of the of the organization, not just to load balancing, you know, might have demand in London and capacity in New York, but also to think about the individual's career aspirations and to enable them to trial different things and to be seconded from one place to, to another. And, and as a result, reduce attrition and, and improve retention. And there's some amazing internal talent marketplaces. And one of the the best practices that we recommend in the in the book with with Harvard and that we're helping organizations with is to think about internal talent marketplaces alongside external talent clouds, the more typical sort of Upworks and freelancer.coms and Expofies and TopTals of the world. Alongside then, there's a third leg in the stool being open innovation. So using crowds and innovation platforms to bring new ideas into the organization. If you can get those three working together then you're really at a very mature stage of 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 talent management that is really fascinating and i think that thing about client expectations being to work digitally and to work much more symbiotically with a changing plan for what we want from a team and linked to business plans particularly the kind of innovation that's taking place that feels to me super relevant yeah the discussion i'm having leaders right now and the challenge for recruiters and i you know we recently had our recruitment agency expo in london and i was speaking there you know the value that recruit traditional recruitment businesses can deliver is to find ways of harnessing the new technology but adding the insight and the professional advice only they have that oversight that only they have of the market in terms of how to structure that how to build that center of excellence if you will plus 
I think ultimately the public expectations of things being done in the right way. I think there is a big challenge, which is just because you're on an app doesn't mean the 200 years of industrial relations don't apply. There will need to be a debate about how we make sure that there is the same regulation for the same sorts of services, which I think is something that people have learned heavily in the United Kingdom. I mean, my favourite thing about the Uber case that went to the Supreme Court in the United Kingdom on whether an Uber driver is a worker or not, is that when Uber lost the initial judgment, there was a relatively high amount of shock in the commentary. But the only two places where there was no shock whatsoever was amongst the team that were following at the Trade Union Congress and the team that I was then leading at the CBI on industrial relations because we both felt that the law was pretty clear, actually. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that sort of the almost game of 4D chess of how does a traditional recruitment business who is super compliant with the law adopt the technology and interact with the technology in ways to remain competitive? And how does a greenfield service operating entirely on a platform make sure that it remains compliant in a way that it builds sustainability into its business model these moving parts feel to me to be really important and one of the things i'm really kind of really pleased that we're in touch and discussing and you know we go in touch through our mutual friend john healy of the wec who's former senior executive at kelly in the united states one of the things i'm really pleased about us having this discussion is that sense that whatever it is the market will look very different because of everything that you've been talking about by comparison to where it's been before. Yeah. And it's changing so quickly. I mean, I literally have seen so much change even in the last last 12 months, but it is still early days. It's got such a long way to, to go, I think. And I think, you know, because we're now, it's so much more a, a global market for, for talent and partly as a result of not having to travel to the office all, all the time and using digital technology to match supply and demand, whether that's full-time or whether that's freelance or contract or, or, or gig and all, all of the, the different models. But the, all of the different models make it so so complex. You know, having the same the same regulations for, for someone who's deciding, chooses to deliver food in the evenings and, and work full, full-time during the day or be a full-time Uber driver, very, very different to someone who decides to be a management consultant on Comatch or Business Talent Group or a, you know, or, or an incredibly highly paid data science on Expify, data scientist on Expify. They're also different, but they're all deciding to work in a much more flexible way and supporting them and making sure it's a fair playing field for all of the constituent parts especially the ind- the individual worker i think is incredibly important so I'm, yeah and no, i'm super pleased that we're all we're all trying to get our heads around this complex challenge and make sure that it's as fair as as possible and um, but at the end of the day that the workers are are supported yeah that, look i think that's a really powerful point you know one of the things that i know our, our campaigns team at the rec feel very strongly is that government's starting a, lot, a long way back on this And a lot of the work we've been doing with groups within government, like the Centre for Data Ethics and Innovation, is, yes, it's all about supporting the right kinds of things to be happening in the industry, but it's also about educating other bits of government on what 
modern recruitment and staffing looks like. And it's fundamentally different. And it's going to change again. Just thinking about the decentralized internet, which which is secured by the blockchain, which you know is generally kind of quite buzzwordy called Web 3.0. Mm. And just before we close, what's your sense about you know, platforms have been going fast, more people going freelancing, particularly post-pandemic. This is a revolution that is coming if we can build people's confidence to commit to it. And I think it has potential to be good for a whole swathe of businesses and individuals. But the change isn't stopping here. What's your sense on what's next in terms of that whole world of Web 3.0 and the future of work? Yeah, I think Web 3.0 has got a an incredibly important role to play in in the future of, of, of work. And I think, you know, you just got to see, you know, vloggers or video game players now being being you know, earn, earning millions of pounds and sitting in their, their bedrooms to think, you know, if you're a, if you're a, if you're growing up as a child now and the Internet was your was, you know, where you were born digital, let's say, you know, the, the possibilities for you to to earn money in in a completely different and digital way will be natural to you where it wasn't to to us growing growing up and so i think just generally there'll be different ways of thinking about things but i also think that this just trend for decentralization whether it's decentralized you know finance or decentralized work where you if you have a skill as an artisan you can almost like take back more control for your for your earnings because you you may be able to sell things as NFTs, as non-fungible tokens, and retain the IP and retain the ownership throughout the life cycle of that good. If you in in the way that you could you could um, create music or art as an NFT now, and every time it's sold somewhere, you can receive ten percent of the of of that sale throughout its life time because it's stored on a blockchain and that's managed through a smart contract it's all completely decentralized i think that's got huge potential and opportunity for for workers in in that space and then the other thing that i think will fuel it hugely is the growth of the metaverse i mean i i do think if if any of your listeners have, have watched ready player one or put on a an Oculus Quest 2 headset. And we've got a couple in the house and I do meetings in the States in, in virtual reality using an app called Spatial. You see the power of virtual reality and you can see how entire societies, cities, infrastructure is all being built in the metaverse and people are being paid for their digital skills as they build, you know, they become the the bridge builders and the railway builders and the you know the city builders of of the future. There's ways of making money in the metaverse that we haven't even thought about yet. And that will all be it's all part of Web 3.0. So I think yeah, decentralization, distribu- distributed autonomous organizations or DAOs, blockchain, smart contracts, NFTs, all of the buzzwords of Web 3.0. Uh, are all in their infancy, but they're going to play a huge role in the future of work, whichever way you look at it. That's fascinating. I'm a big fan of Ready Player One, but mostly because as an 80s kid, it's full of joyous 80s references, including the (laughs) holy hand grenade of Antioch from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. There is something in there, which is all of these changes. It's very easy to get carried away with the potential here. And one of the things... I think for businesses approaching this is just being sure-footed. Yeah. And that's why I think 
thinking about this strategically, thinking about what has legs commercially and what might prove not to have potential over time. And we know we've all seen some things which we thought were going to be massively successful fail and some things which we were dubious about take off. I think that process of actually mindfully thinking about where this market is going is really important. And, you know, for our listeners, who will be mostly owners, managers, leaders of recruitment businesses. I think this is something where a bit of thought in advance about where the market is going is going to be super important. So just to draw it to a close, if people want to read more about Open Assembly and around the centre, where can they look, Barry, to, to learn a bit more about what we've been discussing today? Yeah, sure. We um, we have a website, uh, openassembly.com, so open-assembly.com, and the Centre for the Transformation of Work is transformationofwork.org, and we run calls every two weeks which are entirely free. Um, some amazing, uh, amazing speakers at 5, 5 p.m. in the U.K., on every other Thursday. So please, um, please come along and say hi. It's a very friendly community. Barry, thank you very much for your time today. I've really enjoyed that discussion. And I think we all know that this market is going to change massively over the next few years. And uh, we should keep talking about it. Brilliant. No, thank you, Neil. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks to Barry for that fascinating discussion of how technology and the expertise of the recruitment industry might come together to ensure that we have fantastic temporary staffing solutions across the economy for the next decade and more. Real food for thought there for recruitment businesses on how we need to change going forward. If you enjoyed that, there are a couple of other recent technology-focused editions of the podcast that you might be interested in dipping into. Felicity Birch from the Centre for Data Ethics and Innovation joined us in episode three of 2022 to talk about the use of data tools and AI in recruitment and doing that fairly and effectively. Fascinating listen with someone who's straddling the divide between government and business or episode four with ollie sharp of sales loft and ollie is all about thinking about how we use our sales force more effectively and enable them with technology because of course sales is so completely a human process but we can make a real difference by supporting our teams with high quality technology two fantastic listens there episode three and episode four for 2022 and if you've enjoyed today's chat with barry have a dig in uh, to those thanks again to barry for joining us today and thanks to you for coming along on this episode of talking recruitment the rec podcast thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed this podcast join me for another episode soon and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.